You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jets fans. How are we doing? Glenn Naughton, Jet Nation Radio. I am joined tonight by my co-host, Alex Varallo. Dylan Terriman will not be with us. And Alex, I believe that just by showing up, we've done our jobs better than the Jets did this week uh, because they certainly didn't. Uh, went up to New England, 54, sorry, yeah, 54 to 13 pounding at the hands of the Patriots. And just when you think this team can't get any worse and things can't sink any lower, uh, here come the Jets to, to with the old uh, hold my beer and watch this. Um, after what we as fans endured last season, I don't think any of us envisioned any single Sunday like we just saw. The team was completely flat. The New England Patriots, I think, I said during the game that they could have put up 60, and that was that was after they appeared to take their foot off the gas for a little while. I think if the pass went full throttle all day, they easily put up 70 points on this team. The Jets still cannot defend a screen pass. Nearly 100 yards receiving for Patriots running backs on swing screens. The, the, the Jets, they were a disaster. They didn't do anything well. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, Alex. I have not, I have not rewatched that game yet. I don't know if I ever will. It, I mean, that's just torture. So I honestly don't have that sort of second look, you know, picking out things that I maybe missed the first time around. But what an absolutely atrocious football game! The Jets are depleted at linebacker. <clears throat> they still have no use for Denzel Mims. As I said earlier in the week, I don't know why LaMichael P. Ryan is on the roster. If you're going to carry him and on a, give him a roster spot and then use Ty Johnson as your power back, it makes zero sense. So lots going on that uh, that's contributing to this. And, and we'll get into this, Alex. We'll talk about, you know, we were just discussing off the air how much of it is the coaching, how much of it is the scheme, how much of, how much of it is the talent. And, and I, I'll say this, Alex, and, and – um, and by the way, for those of you who aren't already, um, give JetNation.com a follow on YouTube. Uh, we're trying to get some more video content up there. I've been doing some post-game stuff and just random stuff throughout the week. You got Green Bean posting stuff on there. And um, between, uh, but, or as I said, what we were saying, Alex, the talent level on this team, I'm I'm of the belief that any team in the NFL, not just the Jets, any NFL team, but especially the Jets, given the, the talent they do have up front, should have enough talent to not give up 50-plus points on a Sunday. Um, that, that's just – that should not happen. Um, and if it should, it right. shouldn't be happening on a team where you've got uh, you know, a D-line with multiple first-round picks who have proven that they can perform in this league. So that, that first and foremost – that's not a talent issue. Now, losing, you know, not being able to get stops and all that and, and, and not having a good record, if you want to put that down to talent, fine. But a 50-burger, there's no excuse for that. And on offense, I will still stand by what I've said all offseason. This is a very good group of receivers. 
This is just an offensive coordinator who doesn't have a need. He doesn't want to want to have he doesn't want to have the four receiver sets, the five receiver sets. I said all off season. I mean, how many teams are deep enough to stop the Jets' top five wide receivers? I mean, you literally, the, the, as currently constructed, if you were to put the top five receivers out on the field for a given play, that tells me the opposing defense may have their fifth DB covering Denzel Mims. And I don't care about the production. The guy can play. So the, ta- the talent is better than the results. That's on the coaching. That is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that is not to say that Zach Wilson hasn't been an issue. And, of course, as we all know, uh, Greg Van Roten has been uh, pretty atrocious as well. So, Alex, what are your thoughts? Is it the coaching? Is it the is it the talent? Is it the play calling scheme? Whatever you want to, however you want to say it. What, what do you lay this down to? This this fifty four to thirteen shellacking. Yeah, right off the top of my head, uh, I think it is a talent issue. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, I think that the scheme that's attempting attempting to be implemented with this particular unit is not clicking. Um, and then, you know, as far as coaching is concerned, um, Jets were most certainly outcoached this past weekend. Uh, you know, something I talked about on the show last week about how the Jets have uh, historically uh, been pretty bad coming off the bye, even though they have more time to prepare. Um, I didn't have the numbers in my head. I still don't have them now, but I just know, you know, for my 30-plus years as a Jets fan, that uh, usually coming off the bye, we're, we're usually the less prepared team somehow. Uh, so, yes, I, I do think that talent is a big factor. Um, I think Dylan and I did a show in the off season sometime during the summer, and we both at, I asked him a question, um, do you think the Jets have done enough to be competitive? And I think we were both 50-50 on it, um, you know, if my memory serves me right. We did feel that they made – good moves in certain areas, but obviously there was a lot of guys we're going to have to elevate and perform at a pretty high level in order for things to happen, you know, productively for us. So I think at the moment we can collectively say um, the moves that we did, the decisions that they made in the off season have not helped this team win more football games. And then, you know, to go to the third aspect of it, which was the, the, the scheme, uh, or in, you know, in coaching scheme, coaching those are, I guess, hand in hand. I don't think that they're being properly coached at the moment. Uh, Denzel Mims continues to be buried in this roster. doesn't make much sense because we're not, we don't have a winning record. We're not in contention for anything. I mean, for heaven's sakes, we're, we're barely competing. So I don't understand why, you know, we would be holding the reins back with this kid. Unless if there's something internally going on that we as fans are not aware of, which could possibly be the reason, another reason why he's not seeing the field. But everything that we see and we've seen from Denzel Mims with a few amount of games last year and going back to his college days, he is a talented guy. and He should be getting more um, opportunities. Same thing with Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of very, very – uh, curious to what they were thinking when they were putting this game plan together to come out and look worse this outing than you did in your first outing against the Patriots. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, they beat us 26 to three in the first game and this past week, they almost scored 60 on us. That kind of stuff doesn't happen. We see scores like that with, 
you know, power 25 college teams going against Division II teams. We looked like a Division II, Division III team this past weekend. Uh, maybe, maybe that's giving them, you know, a little bit too much credit. Uh, they couldn't run the ball well. Uh, Passing-wise, we were not protecting Zach Wilson, which led to an injury. Um, and then, you know, we were not connecting and executing, uh, you know, our pass plays at all. So that was really bad and really, really upset with the way that the defense handled themselves this past week. I know we were missing out on C.J. Mosley. I just didn't really think the defense could look that bad with one guy being out. Um, and maybe that just shows on how good of a player he is. Uh, you know, we got Marcus May back. I thought that was going to give us a little bit of a boost. Just unbelievable across the boards, every single thing. You know, we I think we even missed a field goal in the game. So all three phases of of this team uh, was unsatisfactory. So at the moment, I think it's collaborative, but I leaned heavier toward not having enough talent and then our coaches are not implementing their scheme and their system into, into the players that we have on the roster. So I think it's a mix of both, but maybe it's more on the talent side. Yeah, I think each aspect contributes, but I think my key concern is that they're not playing up to the full, uh, you know, they're not playing up to their full potential. So while they may not have the talent to go out and, and you know, beat teams up and down the field, I think they have the talent to be a, a much better team than they've shown this season. Um, you know, I, I kind of went out on a limb, and I, I touched on this the other day, <clears throat> that I thought this team could play meaningly, meaningful football late in the season, especially once Morgan Moses was signed. I felt like he was the guy that was going to solidify the O-line. He was the guy that was going to give them the ability to be able to run the ball at will against opposing defenses. Again, this was assuming Mekhi Beckton would be in the lineup. And my expectation was kind of, all right, this uh, young coaching staff is going to do the right thing by Zach Wilson, bring him along slowly go heavy on the run game early in the season while he gets his feet wet, control the clock, win a few games, you know, win three or four games against some some beatable opponents, and then get hot down the stretch as Wilson kind of ramps things up a little bit. But as it turns out, we've seen them several times, even even in weeks when they've run the ball well, they abandon the run almost immediately. Of course, Mekhi Becton is out. Van Roten has regressed again, and he's been absolutely terrible. And so these are factors that... I think they're putting too much on Zach Wilson's shoulders. They, it, it's tough to put it on one guy in Van Roten, but it feels like he, he's the cause of so many, so much of what goes wrong for this team on offense that it's really, it, it really gets frustrating. And uh, anytime I see them run the ball behind him, I'm always a little bit surprised because I would think you would just sort of avoid that at all costs. When I saw them run the ball to the right side, going for that two point conversion, I was, I was really baffled, but, um, you know, look, things may get interesting once uh, once Mekhi Becton comes back because that's one of the few things that Jets fans have to look forward to this year is once you have Becton and an AVT alongside one another, that's going to be uh, that can be a game changer. You can see them, you know, chew up clock and dominate on the ground, and that'll of course open up the play action pass game. Um, and so we'll see what happens with that. But listen, there's you know there's a lot going on, and of course the uh, one thing we have to touch on. Wanted to get your thoughts, Alex. I'm a little confused, honestly. Um, so the Jets go out. They give up a sixth-round pick for Joe Flacco, uh, which will become a fifth if he gets on the field, you know, depending on playing time and things of that nature. But now uh, they're reportedly the Jets have brought in Joe Flacco um, <clears throat> to back up Mike White, which I kind of look at that and think, well, couldn't Josh Johnson have done that? Couldn't you have saved that sixth-rounder? 
but I'm I'm guessing Joe Douglas, you know, will have some familiarity with with uh, Joe Flacco from their time together in Baltimore, and maybe Joe is looking at this and saying, "Look, I did screw up. I should have had a veteran quarterback in the room." Yes, Josh Johnson is a veteran quarterback, but he's only got a handful of NFL starts. Whereas Flacco's got, you know, Flacco was a franchise guy. He's got some. He's got a Super Bowl win. He's got a bunch of playoff wins. So maybe that's the guy you want your young quarterback learning from. So is this a course correction for Joe Douglas, um, where he's saying, "Look, I got to bring in a vet." And and I listen. I'm not killing Joe Douglas as bad as some people are on this thing because I think there are a lot of different ways to go about developing your quarterback. And yes, I love the idea of a veteran mentor, but. I just I didn't hate the idea. I, I this is my impression. I mean, it's I think the Jets are pretty candid about it. That bringing in Greg Knapp that that was going to be Greg Knapp's role. Greg Knapp was a proven guy. He developed many young quarterbacks previously, and his job he was hired by this team to develop this quarterback. And the Jets went that route instead of going with a veteran backup. So there was a plan in place. It's not as if the Jets came in blind, had Dowell Logans and no veteran in the room, like then you're kind of like, what the hell is going on here? What's the plan? Well, there clearly was a plan. The guy had a tragic accident, lost his life, and the Jets kind of rolled forward from there. At that point, should they have gone out and got a veteran? Probably, but they didn't, and now they have. Uh, but I, I honestly thought um, that, that we'd hear the Jets say that the starting job was sort of, you know, uh, up for grabs now with Flacco coming in, but Rich Semini reported earlier that the Jets are saying Mike White's the starter. Joe Flacco's been brought in to be a backup. And we're talking a two- to four-week injury for Zach Wilson. Uh, I mean, we hadn't mentioned that, but I'm sure anyone listening to the show was aware. Zach Wilson's got the PCL tear, so he's out two to four weeks, and that's why Flacco was brought in. But if Flacco really is just coming to be the backup, I have to imagine the plan is for him to be that that extra voice in the room to mentor Wilson versus the actual, you know, more so than worrying about how much time he spends on the field. Either way, what, what are your thoughts on getting, uh, on going out and reacquiring Joe Flacco, Alex? Yeah, um, I believe that that was somebody that I had spoken about in the offseason that the Jets should have uh, kicked the tires on as a uh, veteran backup just to have somebody uh, to help Zach Wilson, you know, learn the ropes and the ins and outs of being a NFL quarterback and just, you know, someone that he can run questions off of, you know, when you're looking at this defense, what do you do here? What do you do there? Um, sometimes that's really good. And you bring up a good point with the, with the nap story, um, which we may have forgotten because, uh, you know, it was quite alarming when that went down and, and people, you know, probably have forgotten about that now, but yes, that is a, a very, very key aspect um, to the football team, you know, number one, but number two in developing a young quarterback, especially when you're the second overall pick in the draft. Um, that definitely has not helped the situation for, for Zach Wilson's development. Uh, but bringing in Flacco, um, probably feel a little bit more comfortable with Joe um, than going the rest of the season with a Mike White and uh, Josh Johnson. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a two to four week table uh, timetable for Zach Wilson's PCL injury to his knee. I probably would think it's going to be closer to four. I, I don't think you would want to rush a kid back like that. I mean, I've seen in the past quarterbacks that have had questionable knee injuries get, get pushed back into it too soon. 
you know, RG3 comes to my head. I understand Washington was in a, in a different scenario where they were trying to win games and go to the postseason. Uh, but clearly, you know, that early knee injury to RG3's knee uh, basically put his career in, in a downward spiral after that. So, uh, you know, bringing in Joe is a good security plan. Um, he may be the guy we're going to go forward with until, you know, when, once he picks up the offense. I think Joe's got a, you know, smart enough head and he's seen enough football uh, to where he can come out and, you know, in a pinch he could, he could play in any game. So I don't think it's a bad move. I just think it's kind of odd that, you know, Joe Douglas and, you know, and company decided to go forward this year without any experience at the quarterback position. Um, that's probably going to be one of the biggest gambles, I think, that he took going into this season. Uh, and it clearly has come back to bite him. Um, and now it's cost us future draft capital. Even though it's a six-round pick, it's still draft capital uh, to somebody that we probably should have, you know, at least considered, you know, way earlier in the process here. So um, interesting, you know, how this is all played out. Uh, I know a lot of people were excited for Denzel Mims because the majority of those catches he made in 2020 was from Joe. So uh, people seem to think that there's going to be a boost in the uh, in, in Mims stock with Joe coming onto the team. I think that's quite interesting. Uh, but, yeah. Joe's back for another stint with the Jets. Uh, And like I said, I do feel more comfortable with him than I do the other guys. Um, I was kind of surprised on how Mike White looked, you know, in the first series, second series, when he had to come in. Um, But then, you know, he started to show reasons why he's a backup quarterback, turning the ball over, missing throws, and just, you know, not not giving you what you really want to see um, from a starter uh, perspective. So uh, quite interesting, you know, again, um, but I do have some other injury news here, Glenn, if you want me to just run down some of the notes that I have. Yeah, go right quick. ahead, Alex. Okay, so we know about Zach Wilson. That's probably the biggest one here. Um, and I think with all the changes that they've made, they've brought back Adrian Colbert to the active roster. Uh, I heard from the presser that Mosley is day-to-day with his hamstring injury. He may be able to practice this week, but they'll just see how it goes. Um so we know the way Mosley's injury was a couple of years ago. Um, hamstrings are pretty tough. So that, that doesn't give me a lot of uh, confidence, you know, in him playing Sunday, but we'll see. Um, Jared Davis, so maybe we lose Mosley. Jared Davis is returning, but Solid did say he's unsure if he'll be ready for Sunday. Uh, Quincy Williams, our other linebackers in concussion protocol. So things are looking pretty grim at the linebacker position right now. On top of that, we lost Jamie and Sherwood with the torn Achilles for the rest of the year. Um, maybe not a big surprise here. Blake Cashman, who was activated off the high R on October 9th, ended up hurting his groin in the Patriot game. He's back on the IR. No big surprise there. And uh, let me see if I missed anybody here. Tevin Coleman dealing with a hamstring injury. And I read something from SNY saying that Makai Becton might be returning maybe after Thanksgiving. So, uh, unfortunately, too much news coming out of the injury uh, category here for the Jets, but that pretty much summarizes it. And it is frustrating. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> so many so many injuries. And, you know, again, that's not at all <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Not at all – and, yes, yeah, I, I know you were coughing a little when we got on the line, Alex. I'm, I got a little bit of a cold right now, so pardon me if I'm 
coughing into the mic. Yep. I'll try to hit the Take cough button before I do. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, listen, you know, it, it, the injuries are racking up, but, you know, nobody should be under any, any uh, illusion. This team wasn't going to win the other day, whether, you know, no matter who was in the game, out of the game, that you, you just got outclassed and, and beat up and down the field. But um, I think, you know, and this brings me to a question, Alex, and I've, I've mentioned this a couple times on the show. Um, I actually just posted a poll on JetNation.com for anyone who wants. If you're not already on JetNation.com, you got to check it out. Most active Jets message board on the web. Thousands of Jet fans. Really, we get, you know, we get a million hits a month on a pretty regular basis. So check out JetNation.com. Go to the forums. I posted a question asking, do you believe it is the general manager's fault or not? when he drafts a guy who gets hurt, whether he gets hurt once or, you know, if a guy's hurt often enough that it's impacting his career, is that on the GM or not? Now, my take on that is, and I've said this before, if there's no significant injury history prior, then I'm not putting that on the GM. It's the NFL. It's football. Guys get hurt. You can't predict it. You can have rotten luck. You might draft seven or eight guys. None of them have injury histories, and four or five of them get significant injuries and miss anywhere from four to five to six games to a full season. And you can't predict that. So all these people getting all over Joe Douglas, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and a lot of it too is what, what does one consider to be a successful draft class? Now, for me personally, Alex, um, I always say, now, you know, of course it changes if you, if you have tons and tons of premium picks. But, it, you know, if you draft seven, eight, nine guys, if you can find me three starters and a couple of backups in there, that's a good class. That, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's not – this isn't Madden. You can't just draft everyone, play them, and everybody gets better. That's not the way it works. So I look at this Joe Douglas draft class that a lot of people are – you know, uh, <clears throat> this year's class that people are upset about. And I'm going to sound a little hypocritical here because I've said, you know, it's, it's kind of – it is time to worry about Makai Becton's durability, which it is based on the time he's missed. But we have to be fair to Makai Becton and realize – a lot of the time he's missed, you know, the big chunk this year is because a dude rolled up on the back of his leg. I'm not going to get mad at Joe Douglas because Makai Becton was injured when a 300-pound human being rolled up the back of his leg. I'm not getting on Joe Douglas for that. I'm not getting on mm. Joe Douglas because Cam Clark had a spinal injury that knocked him out for the year. That's not on him. Um, Braden Mann, of course, he's out. He's going to miss some time. He's on IR. Denzel Mims... Just because this this coaching staff isn't using him doesn't mean he can't play. I've seen people make that claim. Joe Douglas drafted a receiver who can't get on the field. No. Joe Douglas drafted a receiver who isn't being put on the field. Now, this would be different if Mims had played previously. Like, let's say Mims played his seven or eight games last year and he looked terrible, and then he couldn't get on the field this year. Fine. Then I'm on board with saying this guy can't get on the field. But we saw him play at a pretty high level last year, and they're just not playing him. But I look at this draft class, Alex. And I say Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, and, and Bryce Hall, those are three starting NFL players right there. Agree, disagree? Now, Ashton Davis, jury is out. He's been hurt a lot. Again, wasn't hurt a lot in college. He's been hurt a fair bit as a pro, but hasn't really had enough opportunity. LaMichael Pirine didn't like the pick. I, he's not a scheme fit now, so I don't know what his future is with this team. I said in the offseason he might not even make the club because he just his physical profile – is atrocious for what this team tries to run. And Cam Clark, of course, who is a developmental guy, who I think has the potential to be a starter if he continues playing, and I think at worst he'll be a backup. So I'm looking at this and thinking you've got three starters, 
and multiple possible, uh, you know, Ashton Davis, he's going to be anywhere from backup to starter, and the same goes for Cam Clark in my mind. This is a good class. I'm I'm not going to get mad at Joe Douglas because NFL football players get hurt playing NFL football. Now, again, mm-hmm. if if we're talking Blake Cashman, that's a different story. You drafted a guy yeah. who had multiple surgeries, multiple injuries, missed time. But that's not the case here. And I, where do you stand on that, Alex? Do you, if a GM drafts a guy with no significant injury history and then he just keeps getting hurt in the pros, how is a GM supposed to predict that? Right, you can't. And and if you know with Cashman, I think that was the key factor that we had talked about is that the athleticism was there, the tape looked good from what we could what we could find, uh, but the biggest uh, factor was you know the shoulder surgeries and and the other things that he had to deal with. So, you know, I think you have a saying about you know um, fast guys are fast and and you know fat guys are slow or something like that. You do it way better than I do, but. Um, you know, an injured guy stay injured or something like that. So, um, sorry for butchering that. I should have let you have that one. But, uh, yeah, that, that one, you know, we, we kind of expected that to come with Cashman. And in other situations, you know, you can't foresee that stuff. So, you know, we can't fault the GM uh, for picking guys that find themselves in, you know, unfortunate situations. You know, unless if it was, you know, there was a guy with domestic violence history and, you know, he had some – uh, you know, abuse with uh, coming from college. And then you see those things happening when he gets to the pros. I mean, the signs were there. What were you thinking? You know, we can't really hold uh, Joe Douglas accountable for, for some of these uh, unexpected injuries. Uh, but, you know, what we can um, nitpick about, which, you know, everybody does, um, is when we look at the roster and we look at players that were available that we feel that could have, you know, helped in particular areas, you know, those things, you know, when we go back and we look at the Zunigas of the world and we look at James Morgan and we look at those picks and say, those were wasted picks um, because, you know, some of those guys are on different teams. Um, some of those guys are not contributing to the roster right now. And there were players that we could have had that are now contributing to the other teams that, that did select them. So, uh I guess, you know, you could play Monday morning quarterback with, with the draft history and things like that. Um, but I do happen to agree with your take. Um, if you have 10 draft picks and three of them become starters and one of them is a viable backup, um, that's a good draft. You know, 40% is, is definitely uh, probably meeting expectations. Um, anything over 50%, that, that's probably really, really good. Um, and we've also said, it takes a few years to see, you know, we won't know until 2024 if the 2021 classes w- was good or not. Um, did it make a difference to turn this team around to go from the basement into the top tier of uh, the NFL? We'll know that in a few years. So we still have to be patient with certain players. Um, but, I, you know, at, at the moment um, – the way that this roster is shaken out and the way things have, have come out, um, you know, it's not in Joe Douglas's favor. Um, in his defense, he did absorb a team. Um, he didn't get to build. He didn't really start to begin to build this thing until 2020. Uh, so he still has a couple of years to try to figure this out. But I don't know. Looking at as of today, looking at this roster and looking at some of the contracts and where we're going, 
I don't know if all the rights are going to, you know, all the wrongs are going to be, you know, written right or, you know, the the right moves will be made in Joe Douglas's error. Um, it may be the next guy um, that that's the benefactor, but, you know, anything can happen. You know, you get a two, three good free agents and you get a couple good draft picks. And, and then maybe next year, this time around, we're talking about a whole new improved Jets. Well, you know, look, this is what we hope. This is the goal. And this is what, uh, this is why we're all keeping such a close eye on the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers, because these are teams that mm-hmm. as, as long as they keep losing, especially Seattle, Seattle's the big one because you know, mm-hmm. the way that team has been the past decade, it, you know, it was great to get those those first rounders for Jamal, but at the same time, you're thinking to yourself. At least I was thinking, well, those picks are all going to be sort of 26 then later. These are going to be back end of the first round, and really, <clears throat> you know, you want those top 10, top 11, top 12. I was actually listening recently. Um, I wish I was able to find the article. Um, Daniel Jeremiah on Move the Sticks. We all know Daniel Jeremiah. He was talking about. Um, and you kind of hear this every year, Alex, if you think about it. He was saying how, you know, the, the data kind of shows that once you get outside of the top 12 picks, the difference in, like, career production or, you know, games played, all that stuff, between picks like 13 and, like, 52 or whatever number it was, there's not a huge difference. Um, so they were basically talking about the, the value, not just the first-round picks, but those top 10, 11, 12 picks where – Teams will every year, and this is what I was what I said a second ago. Every year we kind of hear it, you know. We'll hear pundits and you know insiders and all that. They'll say, you know, I talked to a team today. Uh, their top nine guys, you know, maybe it's nine, maybe it's thirteen, depending on the year. But it's always sort of around a dozen. You know, their top nine, ten, eleven guys are all kind of mirrored across the league. Teams are kind of on the same page. But if you look at picks 13 through 40, you could have 32 different combinations. Like it can, and you probably will. Like one team's 15th player will be another team's 46th player. And, you know, sort of like that where the, 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 margin, the margins, the difference between these guys is so narrow that those guys that truly are viewed as being a cut above, you know, head and shoulders above their peers, those are the guys in the top dozen or so picks. And so when you're picking 26, it's like, great, it is an extra pick. But you, there's, you know, there's a good chance that there's a guy who's going to go at 50 who's just as good as the guy that you got at 26, statistically speaking. Of course, you know, anything's possible. But mm-hmm. so now to see the Seahawks drop another contest, have Geno Smith coming back, or, or Geno Smith still under center with Russell Wilson due to come back in a couple of weeks. As these games keep, you know, these losses keep piling up for Seattle – this this the difference between pick twenty four and pick nine is a huge difference. It's a huge difference if you want to trade down. Joe Douglas might say, "Look, we're, the way the Jets are going right now, they're picking top three with their own pick." So let's say he's got pick three and pick nine. Maybe he wants to move down with nine and you know and, and get pick seventeen and whatever. Um, so as long as Seattle keeps losing, obviously that's a good thing. And the other thing that no one's really talking about. I keep hearing people say, like, oh, when Russ comes back, when Russ comes back, when Russ comes back. We, we, no one – is Russ going to be able to hold the football properly when he comes back? You know, he's got this what, hammer finger, whatever they called it. And uh, as you said, he's not going to have any rehab. He's probably just going to get thrown right back in there 
or he probably won't have as much rehab as he would like. And um, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to grip a football properly? Um, if he struggles and Seattle continues to struggle, this could become legitimately a top 10 pick, which, again, when this deal was made, if you would have told me either of those picks they got for Jamal would be top 10, I would have said you were crazy, or I would have said, oh, I guess Russell Wilson's getting hurt. <laughs> because that's what kind of what it takes to get Seattle to not pick 25th, 26th, 27th. So with these picks rolling in, this is what the Jets are going to need to to build this roster. And, you know, that's part of the conversation around Joe Douglas. Um, I mentioned that conversation earlier on the forums at Jet Nation. And, you know, someone's saying to me, oh, it's, you know, our depth stinks. It's, it's you know, it's not just about the starters. The GM is also supposed to acquire depth, and he hasn't done that either. <laughs> I almost have to laugh. I'm like, do people forget when this guy was hired and how bad the roster was when he got here? The guy legitimately legitimately walks in the door. It's like, hey, Joe, uh, welcome to Florham Park. We need you to go ahead and find us 45 good football players. <laughs> you know, and here we are, you know, not even halfway into his second draft class season, and people are, you know, oh, my God, look at the roster this guy put together. It's like, Jesus Christ, people. Are you joking <laughs> right now? Like, you don't want him to throw away money in free agency. Let it build through the draft, build through the draft, build through the draft. Oh, okay, let's do the math on building through the draft, right? The math is he needed about 40 – he needed 40-some good players. Every team gets seven picks a year. You can wheel a deal and add a couple. Let's say you get 10 picks a year. You're lucky if you're hitting on three of them, like as in like legitimate starters and then maybe a couple backups. Let's say he knocks it out of the park and he gets four starters in each class. That's eight guys. He still needs 32 more. You know what I mean? Well, not in terms of starters, but you get what I'm saying, Alex. The math yeah. on how many bad players were on this team when he took over and how long he has had to do his job, it is comical that people are ripping him that this team isn't, you know, why is this team still losing? I mean, if your expectation was that Joe Douglas was going to find 40 good football players or 45 good football players through the draft and free agency in two years, I, Joe Douglas isn't the problem. Your unreasonable expectations are. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I actually um, went and I looked up to see where we were at um, right now. If the draft were happening tomorrow, uh, we would have <clears throat> uh, the fourth and the uh, seventh round pick. So we are inside. We have two picks within the top ten um, for the draft. So, like you said, uh, at this point. Uh, we are rooting for uh, losses uh, for the Panthers and for uh, the Seattle Seahawks because that will hopefully end up giving us better draft capital um, going into next year's draft. So I guess uh, that's, those are a couple other teams we can keep an eye on, um, you know, as we go down, the, down this, uh, this tough road that the Jets have themselves on. A tough road indeed. It has been a – a tough road for a long time, and, and listen, I <laughs> I get the fans' pain as much as anybody, Alex. You know, we suffer with this damn team every Sunday just like everybody else does. And, I, you know, I, I forgot. I looked up their record the other day, Alex. It was so depressing. Just out of curiosity, I was like, what is this team's record since I started covering them for Jet Nation? You know, just out of curiosity. Because mm. they just had that nice run. You know, they just had the, the playoff games of Rex and all that. And then I, I you know... I sent Phil a message and said, hey, I'd love to write for the site if you'd have me. And Phil's 
looked at some stuff I wrote, and he said, great, glad to have you. And I was able to find the first article I ever wrote, and I thought, let me see what the team's record is since then. Dude, they're like 37-79 and 79 or something like that um, since okay. I came on board. I'm like, I don't know if I'm the problem, but uh, this team has been an absolute no, disaster for a very long time. <laughs> um, for, you know, it, it's just it, – it is disheartening, and I completely understand. Here's the situation Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are in, and it's really not their fault. And, you know, I, I said this briefly on a, a short video I put out yesterday – on the Jet Nation YouTube channel, and that is that the fans are fed up. Ten years of losing, if I'm not mistaken, longest playoff drought in the NFL. When you're doing that, mm-hmm. there is no benefit of the doubt. There is no, okay, we understand it's a process. Because you, you've heard the same exact excuses from just a different coach every couple of years telling you the same things. And fans are tired yep. of it. And and here's here's the reality of it, and this is what I'd said on the on the video, Alex, is that if this team had, let's say, they'd won a couple playoff games two three years ago, and then for whatever reason that coach moved on, and then you bring Rob Salah in, and the Jets are doing what they're doing now, fans are going to be a lot more patient. It's like, all right, well, we were competitive a couple years ago, and now things are on the downswing. We we got things, we got to get things going in the right direction again. Now it's been nothing but a downward spiral for a decade. And even though it's, there are a million things you can say about this coaching staff and this general manager that, in my opinion, are 100% fair. He is a rookie coach. Rookie coaches rarely come in and win. It is a rookie quarterback. It is a rookie offensive coordinator. Joe Douglas, mm-hmm. not a rookie GM, but he is a first-time GM. He's run two drafts. And it's a super young team, which is what all the fans wanted. Let's, let's tear it down and start over. So you've got a ton of rookies on the roster. You've got all rookies running the team. You've got a first-time GM putting it all together. That, that is a recipe for some serious struggling before you find yeah. your footing and become a quality team. But the fans don't care, and I don't blame them. This, this is the product mm-hmm. of 10 years of bad football. And we're tired of watching other teams turn things around in two or three years by making good decisions. Which brings me, Alex, to this week's opponent, yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, for so Oof. many years, a laughing stock. They go out. They get Joe Burrow. He, even he gets hurt and misses much of last season. And now he's in there, and they look like world beaters. They turned it around in two or three years, and the Jets are on year 10. So we've minutes left. Uh, give me your thoughts on that game, Alex. Yeah, I think this is when I when I was looking at the schedule and kind of when we were doing like the prediction of what the record would be and and I think I had a, a win here for the Jets against the Bengals, but uh, man, have things changed over the last seven? Yeah, weeks. do you want do you want to um, change that prediction by chance, Alex? <laughs> if I can get a mulligan on that one, stick to your uh, guns, Alex. Bengals. Stick to your guns. Don't back down. <laughs> Any given Sunday, as they say. But yeah, looking at this this Bengals squad, and you know they're sitting at a five and two record, which is, you know, believe it or not, um, not within the top five of the uh, the top records in the league. But they are in the second tier, uh, I guess we can say. Um, they're they're playing pretty darn well. They're averaging about twenty four points a game on offense. Um, they're putting up around three hundred and thirty plus yards of offense every week. Um, I will say this, that Joe Burrow has had some turnovers. 
um, but he's also um, thrived with uh, his college connection, uh, Jamar Chase. Um, that will probably be our biggest problem uh, next to Joe Mixon. And um, I know that they do have some talent at tight end as well. Uh, yeah, when you when you play the, the, the matchup game, you know, this guy versus that guy, um, a lot of it is leaning more toward the Bengals, you know. Uh, my, my, my prediction for this would probably be another, um, you know, sufferable loss here. Uh, the Jets are just uh, not in a really, really good position um, health-wise, uh, you know, as far as clicking as a unit and executing and, and doing things like that. Um, we, are, we are not on the same page collectively as a group. And uh, I do feel that this is going to be another tough loss at home for, for the Jets here. Uh, I think the Bengals have a little too much firepower for us to handle. Um, now, in the event that there's an early turnover and, you know, we happen to have the, the time of possession in the first half is, is in our favor and we find ourselves with a some sort of a lead come halftime, that would be cool. Uh, but, again, with the slow start that the Jets have had, the fact that uh, they have not scored a single point in the first quarter of any of the games that they played this year, uh, yeah, all arrows point down on this one for the Jets, unfortunately. Um, and, it, you know, we don't even know. I, I guess we're assuming Mike White's going to be the quarterback this week. So, uh, yeah, definitely not looking good for, for the good old gangrene Jets here and, and probably going to be looking at another, uh, another loss. Yeah, I agree. This will this will be a blowout loss. Mm. Uh, it's going to be ugly. The Jets again depleted at linebacker. Uh, we don't know for sure who will be back. If they are back, how much will they play? That being, you know, predominantly with with uh, C.J. Mosley, Jared Davis. With Mosley, you just got to be careful, man. It's a hamstring, and we know how yeah. those things go. Um, it can yep. get ugly. So. We'll see what happens there. But uh, listen, before I roll out, before we close up, uh, close up shop, uh, there's going to be some changes with the show. Um, and this, even this is it's, it's all kind of up in the air right now. Basically, if you've been following the show for long enough, uh, you know, we've had some issues in recent months with scheduling. That's been really on all of us between work and real life. Um, and mm-hmm. largely that's due to me being in the UK. Um, the podcast is an 1130 kickoff time for me which sometimes conflicts with work because I do nights and blah, 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 blah. You don't need the whole run around, but, um, you know, doing the show has been great with these guys, with Dylan and Alex. Um, I'll still be a part of it. I'm still going to call in when possible. But to make all of our lives easier, Dylan and Alex will be running the Jet Nation radio show moving forward. I will also be doing a Jet Nation podcast. It'll just be earlier in the day, my time. So I think it'll probably kind of be noontime on the east coast um and whenever i'm available to i will call into their show i've just gotten to the point I've, i feel bad constantly letting them down and having to cancel and miss work um you know miss work to do the show or not be able to do the show because i'm at work um and it kind of makes things hectic for for them trying to plan around me so i think the best thing is to say you know don't count on me being there but i'll call in when i can it's your guys show moving forward I will take, as I said, do a day show, probably a little shorter, um, you know, than what Dylan and Alex will be doing. But, you know, so it's it's not a thing where we want to split. It's a thing where our schedules are conflicting. And who knows, Alex, you know, maybe down the road schedules will settle 
Maybe we'll both mm-hmm. get. Maybe you and I both get back on a schedule where doing the show jointly is easier, and we go back to it. Um, but I, you know, we've kind of said I think for right now, speaking with Phil, who oversees all of this, um, we think the best thing right now is to, to be able to put the show out consistently and have me stop screwing it up by being available, unavailable, available, unavailable. Um, whereas it'll be much easier for me to do something earlier in the day. So um, that's you know a big change to the show, but I'm looking forward to still being a part of it and still you know working with you and Dylan, and uh, and wish you guys luck with that, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. Life throws you some curveballs sometimes, and I've had some some changes, and uh, I'm taking on a little bit of additional work. Um, hopefully, for not the long term, the short term at the moment. Um, but yes, you know, we may be you know coming together collaboratively for shows that will not be live that maybe we will post later that we could do together. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're putting on the table right now as we iron out. Um, the foreseeing changes that we're going to have, but uh, we will still be able to give you your guys, you know, weekly podcast, you know, that's, that's a definite, um, you know, we just may, we may be putting out more content in um, by the time that this all, you know, irons out, uh, which would be great, um, you know, not only for the listeners, but uh, for us and, and for the jet nation um, com and, and for the forums and everybody like that, that, you know, that listens to us and gives us um, their insight. We really do appreciate it. So uh, you will see some changes like Len said. And, you know, once we get this all ironed out, um, you know, who knows, maybe this will, uh, this will turn into more, more good stuff for, for everybody here. Um, but I do just want to take a moment real quick before we uh, sign off for, for the week. Uh, just want to give a moment to thank Miles Social our uh, our sponsor that has always had our back. Um, and I also would like to plug sportsbookreview.com. Um, I know that we were trying to get Donnie scheduled in this week. Again, another scheduling uh, situation here. So hopefully Donnie will be able to call us and give us some insight from his uh, amazing website uh, where they do, you know, expert analysis and advice, um, you know, for you guys that like to uh, take some action on Sunday when you watch the games. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of good things um, in store for us here. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I think we're we're coming to a close here. Uh, Glenn, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to cover before we head out. Um, you know, if you had any uh, foreseeable insight or foresight, I should say, uh, about the Jets versus the Bengals this week. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and, uh, you know, give your last final take and, and finish us home. Yeah, I, listen, in, in, as far as the game this week, I just think that um, if I'm the Bengals, I'm just going to screen, 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 and uh, and let Joe Mixon run wild. Uh, one of the reasons I'm terrible at fantasy football is because, uh, A, I don't pay very close attention to it. I normally end up drafting a team on, like, the day the NFL season starts because I'm just sitting on my couch so amped up for football um i always pick a couple of jets and they always suck so there's a couple of wasted roster spots and i never start guys against the jets because i feel like that would make me a bad fan so i have a dilemma this week because i have joe mixon on my roster and i'm like do i start this guy when he scores you know three or four touchdowns off the screen game uh no idea but the jets haven't been able to stop the damn screen for i i've been a fan for 33 34 years they probably had three or four seasons where they were able to stop the screen I don't understand how they can come into a game every single week unable to do that. Um, but for some reason, they can never run it. 
Um, but funny enough, though, if you think back, Alex, the last time the Jets were decent, the, the year Ryan Fitzpatrick had his good year and they won four out of five or whatever it was down the stretch, if you think back to that year, mm-hmm. that middle screen to Bilal Powell was such a staple to that offense. And it's, it, a good screen game can do so much for your game, for your, for, your, for your team. It's so frustrating to see the Jets unable to utilize it properly and also completely unable to defend it. So in taking on the Bengals, look for a big week out of uh, Joe Mixon out of the backfield catching the football. Uh, this I wouldn't even call this breaking news. Someone just tweeted out um, that Woody Johnson has offered you know full support for Joe Douglas and Robert. What's he going to say? Week seven? Well, yeah, we're going to clean house. <laughs> um, it's oh, it's a God. dumb question to even ask. You know, hey, Woody, you hired this guy ten minutes ago. Are you going to fire him yet? It's just dumb. So of course, Woody says, <clears throat> excuse me. Woody says exactly what he's going to say. Jesus Christ, the fact that anyone would ask that question six or seven games into a a coach's tenure is just absolutely bonkers. But this Mm -hmm. is the world we live in. People are nuts. They're out of their minds. That'll do it for me. Uh, That'll do it for us this week. And, again, we'll be be joining forces uh, often in the future. And uh, that'll wrap this one up, Alex. And sometime in the next week or two, You'll be seeing some more Jet Nation pods come up. I don't know if we're going to have – I mean, I guess we should have a different name for it. Uh, Can't just uh, have two pods with the same exact name. Um, So keep an eye out. Uh, You'll see it somewhere. We'll plug it on this show, and uh, we'll plug it through Jet Nation, Nation jetnation.com, all that good stuff on the YouTube channel. Be sure to uh, click, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And we will uh, catch you next time, Jet fans. Have a great one, and hopefully – hopefully – uh, I can't even say hopefully a win. Hopefully a somewhat competitive football game for at least the opening 12 minutes um, this Sunday. How's that sound for a change of, change of pace? Uh, take care, I Jets fans. I can for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!